Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You're going to notice that in a lot of the podcasts in the coming days, we'll be in the Gospel of John. There'll be times we'll look at other passages that may relate back to the Gospel of John, but we're predominantly going to look at John's gospel. And today we come to the first miracle that Jesus works in this gospel. Now what's interesting about John's gospel is that the word for miracle that's typically used in the other gospels, John chooses not to use that word. He uses another word. And the word that he uses for miracle is sign. And what John is telling us is these miracles that Jesus is working is pointing toward to something much greater. These miracles are like signposts to lead us to the reality of who Jesus is. So we're not supposed to get so caught up in the miracle itself. But ask the question, what does this miracle tell us about Jesus? What does it tell us about his mission and what he's going to accomplish in his ministry? So there's signs pointing toward a greater reality. Also remember, John's gospel is unique in that John starts really interesting. He starts with the phrase, in the beginning, which is telling you that he is tying his book to creation. Here's some things to think about as we read through this gospel more and more. There are seven miracles that Jesus works, seven signs that Jesus works. There are seven feasts or festivals that are celebrated in John's gospel. As Jesus goes through things like Passover and the Feast of Dedication, you'll see that Jesus attends seven different festivals in this gospel. And in our story today, if you count up the days in succession from chapter 1 to chapter 2, when we finally get to the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee, by the time you get to that point, it's been seven days in John's narrative. So that ought to ring some bells there. There are seven days of creation. And so you'll see this pattern of sevens play over and over again in John's gospel. You're going to see two patterns of numbers in the reading today. There's the third day but also the seventh day. Now, seven would make you think of creation, but what would the number three make you think about? On the third day, a lot of things happen in John's gospel. He'll say, after the second day, blah, 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 that would be the third day. So what what would be the third day? Well, we know as Christians, the third day, that's when Jesus rose from the dead. That's resurrection day. So this pattern of three and seven, we're going to go and read the passage now. This is Jesus At the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, we're going to read from the English Standard Version, once again, John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw out and take some to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted, the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Everyone who serves the good wine first, And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
This, the first of his sons, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So as we look at this, Jesus, they're invited to this wedding feast. Now we know wedding feasts were a big deal. Uh, A wedding feast in Palestine could go for seven days. And if you were invited to a wedding feast, you were exonerated from a lot of religious obligations. If you were, say, a Pharisee, and you had some fasting obligations during the week where you were to abstain from food, you were allowed to get out of that fasting obligation when you were invited to a wedding feast. So this would actually abrogate some religious responsibility. This was a big deal. We know that from court records from the ancient world, a lot of times the legal proof of a wedding was verified by the wedding party. Uh, They would go into court and go, I'm going to verify these people are married because I went to their wedding feast. Uh, Wedding feasts were were something that a lot of times the whole town would be invited to if it was a small village. This is a time of great joy, excitement and celebration, dancing and song, drink and good food. So think of a group of people that probably didn't get to have these delicacies all the time. Uh, To eat good food and to have good drink, this would be something that would be uh, so celebratory in nature, so exciting for a small village. So And so many times you would have uh, the the bridegroom would go at night to uh, the bride's house and he would take his wedding party with him. And there would be revelry in the street and excitement as this procession would go through the town and it would build to a crescendo until they got to the wedding feast. So, so much is going on here and it's really cool when you think about that Jesus and his disciples are invited to this feast. They're having a good time, but something horrible happens. Uh, when you live in an honor-shame culture, the idea of running out of refreshment at a feast like this would be unimaginable. It would be so embarrassing. And so Jesus saves the day. Now, some scholars have looked at this and said, and this would be for skeptics that you know, say, well, some things in the Bible really didn't happen. These were fabricated. Even skeptical scholars say that this story smacks of truth. You know, why would Jesus, I mean, if you're going to make a story up, why would you have his first miracle basically being Jesus saving someone from embarrassment, a social embarrassment? I mean, this is not really something that is worthy of his first greatest miracle. But there's more going on in this story than we realize. When we think about this, the idea of a marriage feast, how did the story of the Bible begin in the first place? It began with a marriage, the marriage of Adam and Eve. And who would have been there for the celebration of that wedding? It would have been God himself. So Jesus starts to manifest his glory and his identity at this wedding feast of Cana of Galilee. Now, one thing that I want you to really focus on today, and in our sermon coming Sunday, we'll talk more about this passage and and draw out some more points. But I want you to think about one of the main ideas that John is trying to convey is this statement. But you have kept the good wine until now. You have saved the best for last. You have saved the best for last. And that's what God does. In in the Gospel of John, that's the message. We get to the very end of the Gospel and God saves the best for last. The passion of Jesus upon the cross and his glorious resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit, God saves the best for last. Just in the nick of time, we felt like there was no hope. God shows up and does his best thing at the last. And Jesus, I mean, we could just think about this miracle 
This is grace upon grace. Jesus is bringing in this, this new covenant. And when this new covenant comes, it comes with power and it comes with grace. It comes with abundance. He doesn't just change a little bit of water to wine, but these six stone water pots, which hold 20 gallons each, is changed into high quality wine. This would be good tasting drink. So you've got great quality. You've got magnificent quantity. This miracle is just a super abundance of God's grace. So God shows up just in the nick of time, and he just doesn't give us a small gift, but he brings a super abundance of grace. God saves his best for last every time. And the same is true for us as we look ahead to our day of resurrection. And we sometimes say our, our best days are behind us. As you get a little bit older, I'm, I'm pushing 50, and I start to look back at my athletic prowess when I was younger, and I realized, you know, my best athletic days are behind me. But really, that's not true. Our best days are ahead of us. God is saving his best for last. So one day we'll be resurrected. We'll be vindicated. We'll receive new resurrected bodies that no longer get sick, get old, break down. We'll no longer have to say goodbye to those we love. There'll be this magnificent marriage supper of the Lamb that we'll be a part of, and it's going to be so awesome. We can't really even fathom what that's going to be like. God saves his best for last. So I want to close you out and read the passage one more time. John chapter 1, or John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the rots of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his sons, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Well, I hope this reading has encouraged you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope you realize that God saves his best for last, and he's going to pour out super abundant blessing upon us in Jesus Christ. Hope to see you back tomorrow.